Amen. The Lord is here this morning. And this morning, um, it's going to be a little different. What the Lord laid on my heart about midweek um, was not necessarily what I had planned earlier in the week. But what he laid on my heart to speak about, it wasn't just me. It was Alexis as well. And, and what she and I have, what he's revealed to us this week, and, and what he has taken us through this week, um, I felt, felt it important that we get across this morning. So I'm, I'm going to begin this morning's message and do an introduction, tell you a little bit about what God took me through this week. And then I've asked Alexis to come up and do the rest of it. So we'll both be up here this morning. And I want to let you know that if you open yourselves up this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to break through you. He is going to speak to you. He is going to reveal truth to you. It doesn't matter where you're at. As long as you have a relationship with Him, you have a corridor of communication that when you ask, you will receive. He will reveal truth to you. That's one of His jobs. So this morning... um, I remember back to, oh, I can't remember, I think it was Wednesday, when everything happened out in California. Uh, For those of you who have not turned on the TV at all this week, (laughs) you may not know what I'm talking about, but there was a terrorist attack in California this week, and I I believe it was on Wednesday, I'm getting my... My day's a little mixed up because they kind of blend together. Well, um, I, I'm a, it, it, a lot of times when we're doing stuff, just doing handiwork or whatever at the house, we'll have the news on, Fox News. That'll be on kind of in the background. And, and I'm, I'm doing that because I'm doing some computer work, some graphics work on the computer. So I have Fox News on. And, and then all of a sudden this thing comes up and, and you know, what, what was happening it was about 2 o'clock or so our time, or shortly thereafter, 11 o'clock uh, California time. But I found myself being glued to the TV. And, and I, I don't know why, because, you know, at the beginning they didn't know what it was and everything else, but, but I had a sense right from the very beginning that this was something that was going to impact me. And I didn't know why. I didn't know how that would play out, but I kept my eyes glued. As a matter of fact, I found myself getting very frustrated that I couldn't get more information. And maybe, maybe that's where it's better just to turn it off and turn it on the next day, because you can gather more information at the beginning. But what God started to lay on my heart was that this was something that was affecting the Christian world. 
Okay, and I'm not talking about one religion versus another. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how the enemy has a plan, right? He has a plan for your life, for mine. He has a plan not to prosper us, but in fact to seek and destroy us. So that's, what I, that's the filter I was watching through as I'm watching this unfold. And it, it's starting to, to get in my mind about where does that put us in the future as a church? And what is important in that that we're supposed to understand as a church? And I am, if you've known me for any length of time, you know that... Uh, uh, I, I'm not necessarily a political guy. I have very strong beliefs. But see, this went far beyond that to me. This was the enemy drawing his sword and swinging. Literally at my faith. Not because of the faith that someone had who did it. And I want to make sure I make that really clear. It's because any faith, any faith that does not have Jesus Christ as the Son of God coming to this earth, dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, any faith does not, that does not have that as its core is false faith. It's untrue. It's lies. It's perpetuated by the very enemy that we fight in our faith. So what, what really, really got to me was how this event was a spiritual thing. This was spiritual warfare, and it was a taste of what's to come. If you understand prophecy at all, you understand that we, what we have enjoyed as a church, that, and not just ignition, but I mean as the church here in the United States, is a persecution-free situation. In, in, for the most part, we have been persecution-free. Certainly persecution-free by our government, persecution-free by other people, except for the little pockets here and there, right? You have to understand that is about to change because we are at war. And when the enemy knows his time is coming short, which he does, that will intensify. But I'll tell you another reason why. It's because the church in the United States is different than anywhere else in the world. I've been to many different places now. I've talked to people that have been all over the world. And the reason it's different is because here it's an expectation of freedom. It's an expectation that I can believe however I want to believe, and I have freedom to do that. As a Christian, I have freedom to meet on Sunday morning. I have freedom to build ministry, not only that, 
But we get to build ministry tax-free. We get to build ministry by some of the perks given to us by a government that was for us. But the problem is, the church has become complacent. The church has enjoyed those perks, enjoyed what the United States has been able to give us, and in many ways, and I'm not saying all of us, I'm not saying all the churches, but overall, the body of Christ in the United States has become soft. I don't believe God wants it that way. I know he doesn't want ignition church that way. And so one of the things he does, if you look at historically in the word of God, you look historically at Israel, and every time they, came, they became complacent, he did one thing. He brought in persecution. Rest assured, it's coming. It's coming from our government at some point, but it's coming from those who oppose us. And that's Satan. It doesn't mean that he will just use radical Islam. Okay, radical Islam right now is the one willing to pick up the gun or the knife and do it. But he operates in subtle ways. He operates in ways that we don't expect. See, one of the things God wants us to do is to know your enemy. We're to know the very enemy that we're against, that we fight. We say here that this is an army rising up, right? How sad of an army would that be if we didn't know who we were fighting? How could we even fight something that we didn't understand? That is sure defeat if we do that. And and I'm not saying that it is all about understanding your enemy. Because, see, God lays out pretty simply who the enemy is. And pretty simply what he does. Where we get distracted, where we, where we have difficulty in, is when that's applied to us personally. See, because he doesn't attack all of us the same way. Some he may attack through their relationships. Some through anger. Some through fear. Others he may flat out persecute. Others he may may tell lies about. He may make them feel inferior that they're not worthy to be part of this fight. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. That is an absolute lie. If you are a child of God, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are worthy, not only are you worthy, but you are commanded to be part of this fight. See, because we're getting toward the end, the end days you're going to see the enemy stepping it up. And Ignition has a very interesting calling. As a matter of fact, this didn't really hit me until I came back from Ghana, and I started laying out all the places the Holy Spirit has told me we would be 
Because it seemed a little eclectic to me. It seemed kind of ominous to me, too. But when I laid it out on a global map, it made perfect sense. Because, see, all the places that he's called us to, when you start to pinpoint those, it literally surrounds the area of the globe that holds 90% of radicalized Islam. Now, am I saying that we're being raised up to fight against Islam? No. (laughs) Because, see, our sword is different than theirs. Our sword is the word of God. And what is that? That's love. We love them. We love them. We protect our church. But we love them. See, that's the one thing Satan can't understand. You want to fight Satan? You want to understand Satan? Understand he has nothing to do with love. He doesn't understand it. That's why when we worship, it literally cleanses the atmosphere. Because when we worship, we worship in love. We worship in relationship to him. Satan can't stand that. He just, uh, you know, he gives him the heat. (laughs) He can't stand it. He doesn't want to be around it. So knowing your enemy is important. I want to read, before Lex comes up here, I want to read a couple of verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I think this ties back to San Bernardino, what happened on Wednesday. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Therefore, having this ministry, plug in your ministry through ignition, Okay, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. In other words, we refuse to manipulate in this warfare how we see fit. We don't do what we want to do. We refuse to do that. By the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, the very truth being the word of God is what directs us in this ministry. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Going back to San Bernardino, you have to understand that those two who became radicalized for Islam against, really, the world, they're not just against Christians, they're not just against Jews, they're literally against anyone who does not believe their, their way. They're deceived. They have had their eyes blinded to truth. 
Understanding your enemy means understanding that there is a force behind them. And any strategy in dealing with that enemy must, or, or, or with what's going on like in, in uh, San Bernardino, it's dealing with the power behind it. It's dealing with the very power that wants to see us destroyed. And that's Satan himself. So be wise to your enemy. Know who he is and what he does. I made a few notes, um, just kind of not as an outline, but, you know, one of the ways that Satan does deceive is by just basically telling us he doesn't exist. And a few of these statements, um, we're going over in the ladies' class, so there'll be a little bit of a reiteration for you, but if you ever come across somebody who doesn't even believe that there's a devil, there's a lot of people walking around who do not believe that there's a devil. They don't believe in a hell. They, don't, they just decide in their life they just don't believe it. And one of the familiar verses that I would encourage you to show them is, of course, in 1 Peter 5. And that is in verse 8. Watch out for the attacks, or be sober, be vigilant, okay, depending on what translation. I'm going to read New Living, though. Be careful, 1 Peter 5, 8. Watch out for the attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. So we've established not only we have an enemy, but that we also have what his intent is, is to destroy. And I said this downstairs, I say it again. Don't take that lightly. Satan does not just want to mess with you. He wants to flat out destroy you. It is a very serious enemy. Now, what what a great, powerful God that we have. Um, I really used to be weirded out by um, thinking about, talking about, certainly doing any kind of study of who the enemy is, of who Satan is, because it, it, if I'm really honest, it frightened me, because I really didn't understand fully the authority that I had in Jesus Christ. You see, the bigger God gets because of your understanding and faith in him, the smaller the enemy gets. It, it becomes laughable. You know. And then we also see in scripture what his destiny is. And you know, whenever you're facing a direct attack, boy, remind the devil of his destiny. Let me give you a verse on his destiny that is, is very significant. Revelation 20, verse 10, is uh, a great verse to just know, to, to re- be reminded of. Then the devil who betrayed them was thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophets. There they will be tormented day and night forever. I have in my little, in my Bible, I wrote down the words, we win. But you know what? We are already overcomers because that is his fate. That is his fate. Remind him of his fate. Because you know, Ephesians 1 and two talks about our identity in Christ. And, uh, and I mentioned this again, too, uh, with, the, with the ladies. But um, Casey had brought up a, a small group in her college that was going over um, a, a question, like the philosophical question of the day, which is, who are we? You know, this, this thought-provoking question of, who really are we? You know, and, and if there's one thing that is huge in the world today, especially among younger people, is, is an identity crisis. You know, when you don't know who you are, 
you are that much more prey for the enemy. There ought not to be an identity crisis in the body of Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ. Because the more you know who you are and the power that comes with that, it is amazing, amazing. Um, the, the main text, I'm going to give you a couple of different verses, but the main text that I want you to look at is Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is just an amazing chapter. And um, this is where you find in verse 1 that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love, love, love that verse. That's a, a powerful promise that we have. But in, um, in the Psalms, if you look at in verse 3, it talks about um, the, what in the King James says, the snare of the fowler. And it says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome, uh, noisome pestilence. Or if you look in another translation, New Living, it says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal uh, plague. The snare of the fowler is the way that the enemy t- tries to entrap us, okay? And God's protection is there for us when we stay in the secret place. You know, to Greg's point about praise not only cleansing the atmosphere, but, but you know, shunning and, and essentially crippling the enemy. Let me, just, let me just say again, worship is not just a preference. Right. It is a weapon. Amen. Worship is a weapon. If you don't learn, and I'm telling you this because I resisted it, because I was a music person and looked for songs that I could sing in solos, and I love music and I love Christian songs, but I didn't understand the private soaking worship time. Uh, and, and boy, what God has done to take me from that to now understanding what a huge weapon it is against the enemy. If you are walking in uh, defeat, in, in just struggles and trials and, and lack of victory, tell you what, begin to worship. It will, it really does get the enemy out of your life. It is amazing because he does hate, hate it. So don't just think that well, worship is just for people that are really into music and, you know, I get all that. But, you know, I read the word and, you know, and I, I do my devotionals and I pray a lot. Worship. Worship. Yeah. When Jesus gives authority in his name, in the powerful name of Jesus, if you notice the prayers to remove the enemy today, were in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the blood that, that has washed us clean. Jesus' name, when that is exalted, you know, that's the name that casts demons out. That is the name against the enemy. So when that name is exalted above all other names, that gets rid of the enemy in, in, your, in the atmosphere. So begin to worship. Use worship as a weapon. Um, it will begin to not only soak you and saturate you and bring you into the secret place of protection in your life, like Psalm 91 promises, but it really, um, it really is a great attack. Now, the verse I want to bring out um, that, that is really significant in Psalm 91 is in verse 13. And it says, Thou shalt tread upon, this is, I'm going to do both King James first and then I'm going to do New Living. Thou shalt tread upon the young lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Okay, New Living it says, you will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. 
The reason I read the, the King James, the young lion is something that most people don't recognize as an entrapment of the enemy. Because see, how does he get in? This is an important thing about knowing the enemy. You know how many cases there are in, um, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, I look at these exotic animals, these tigers and these lions, and they are the most beautiful cubs. Just these beautiful animals, and they've had them on talk shows, and you see all these, you know, um, the people that are, are exposed to caring for these exotic animals. Do you know how many people that have taken in some of these wild animals, that when they grow up, they've been mauled, they've been killed? Have you read about these cases, the different people? People that think that they can take in this wild animal, and they at the very least find themselves harmed, if not killed, by that animal. This is the what Satan does. He gets us thinking that we can tame the young lion. Mm-hmm. What is the young lion? Something that in its cub stage is innocent. It's not. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll accept a date from you. You're not saved because I got this. You know, I, I mean, it's, I can tame this. I can lead this to the Lord. I, I, can, I can handle this. This isn't going to be a problem for me. But guess what? Young lions grow up yeah. to fierce, attacking lions. And before we know it, we're hooked. Why is it that these people don't see that that these wild animals begin to show signs of this wild behavior? But by then, they're hooked. It's their animal. And they become deceived and thinking that, well, yeah, but but he knows me. But but he loves me. But, but, you know, it loves me. It won't hurt me. The young lion is one of the things Satan uses more than anything else. Another example of something that is a young lion and right away, by the way, a lot of the cubs can attack as well, if you're not careful. Glancing at, thinking that you, number one, won't be affected, and number two, it won't bother anybody else because it's in the privacy of my own home, is pornography. Yeah. You want to open a gateway and a portal to demonic influence and effect in your life? Pornography is huge. Yeah. And the greatest deceit of the enemy is thinking that that's a young life. It's not going to affect anybody. It's just me. It's just, it's just my thing. And, you know, and it's just... You know, it's, it's just something that just once in a while and it's not that big of a deal. Do you know the forces of demonic power behind the pornography industry? You open up, you give what's called legal rights to the enemy in your life when you invite these things into your life. See, a legal right is something that you give. What is a legal right? Legal right means that it's a, it's a law that it's like it's okay. There won't be repercussions. There won't be punishment. If something is allowed by law to do, We're going to do it because we won't be prosecuted for it. When the enemy knows that he's invited in legally because you've opened that door in your life, it begins to affect you. And guess what? When somebody is affected by that kind of demonic influence, and you think it's just affecting you, oh, not true. If I am under a demonic stronghold, the opportunity that I have to affect my husband, my children, my friends, my ministry, oh, it is not in the privacy of my own home. That's right. It is, it is something that I may tell myself is that young, cute, petable lion. It's just not going to be. It's no big deal. It's the secret sin. God knows. See, these are the gateways. God wants us to know that not only he wants us to recognize his enemy, but he wants us to know that he's going to fulfill us to where those things won't even be appealing. They won't even be attractive. But we've got to be honest about some of these gateways. We've got to be honest about knowing our enemy, knowing his tactics. We talked a lot about that, actually, in the ladies' class as well. Um, you just, 
you have to understand that the battle we wage is not human. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. We don't wage a human war. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 3 through 5, there's a couple of different Corinthians verses, but it says, For we use mighty weapons, not merely, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. With these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas and teach them to obey Christ. If you look at it in the King James, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning fleshly, meaning human. See, when you recognize who the enemy is, you know that it has to be fought in the spiritual realm. It has to be fought in the spirit realm. And oftentimes, we don't know how the enemy sneaks in. And, um, you know, it's just so much faster. If, if, you, if you're a shortcut, like to get right to the point, you know, if, you, if you've got a trial, don't, you don't want to wallow in it, roll around in it, don't you? You know what, if, if you have a, a situation that's just like, oh, I just want to get rid of this, wouldn't it be faster to just identify it? Okay, this is, this is not right. This is of the enemy. And guess what? I have authority. I have authority. I can actually get rid of this. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but to the pulling down of strongholds. And it says in verse 5, casting down imaginations. Now, Satan attacks our minds almost before anything else. Because from our minds come our emotions. And then oftentimes from our emotions come our actual decision-making and, and reactions in life. We've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to know who we are. Ephesians 2.19 talks about our identity in Christ and that the power that is in Christ is ours. Um, I was saying this to, to some people last night, but if you woke up today, you know, there's, there's a, there was a, a singer from, from a band that I heard, I don't even know what the band was, but uh, he died in his sleep this week. And, uh, and, it, and it shocked the world, this, you know, well-known rock singer. He'd been struggling with drug addiction and so forth. And I thought, how many people didn't wake up this morning? Yeah. You know, God has a purpose and a plan and a calling for each and every person. Yeah. If you were one of the ones which I see you all here, so you woke up this morning, okay? The fact that you woke up and that today is the day for you, this is the day that the Lord has made, that means there is victory, there is yes. overcomer, there is hope, there is yes. life to be had, Amen. okay? Because if there was no more of that, you wouldn't wake up. Your time here would be done. So, you know, we ought to wake up with that expectancy. Yes. Who are you in Christ? If you've if you accepted Christ as your Savior... He is in you. He is living in you. And, and Ephesians tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that we just celebrated communion about is in us through his spirit. Wow. Like we, we just don't really get that. We don't grasp that. That is huge power. Yet we walk with this lack of victory. And, and I think that was just very sobering for me this week as I thought, you know, as long as God has me here on this earth, this is a day of victory if I claim it. It's like, here it is. Here it is. Beth. You can just, this, is, this is my victory for you to take. Amen. But you know what? He still gives us a free will. And some of us wake up and go, yeah, I see that there. Ugh, kind of busy. You know, I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good enough to reach out and get that victory. I just, oh, you know. 
It's just it's amazing how God is so patient with us when he's like, I have everything here for you. I have overcoming victory for you. And you yeah. just kind of want to go your own way. Do you want to live defeated? No, we don't. But we got to know who we are in Christ. And, you know, every time you feel like you can't reach out and take that victory, that's the enemy telling your thoughts. You're, you're beginning to agree with the lies of the enemy. So our thought life is so important. Casting down imaginations, <coughs> arguments against the truth of the word. Yeah. Because John 8.32 promises... If we know the truth, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there is so much available to us. And um, it's not just this, I'll feel good because I'll live a good life. And, you know, people that live a good life, I guess they feel good. No. It's so much more than that. It's everything you desire. We were created to be filled with what God has for us. There, there isn't a, there, there isn't. I mentioned this before. There isn't this just ambivalence to, well, you know, yeah, I, I just, I'm not really, I don't, I don't, I'm good. I don't really care. I, I just, I don't really need it. You do need it. If you ever think you don't, you believe the lies of the enemy. Yeah. He's told you you're fine. You're good. You don't, you know, you, you're fine. You've been making it this far, and things haven't been that bad. Now, have they? Just keep going on the way you're going. No, God has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. We need to know who we are. Victory is ours. So learn to rebuke the enemy. Learn to rebuke him. And, and i got to tell you, when I started practicing this, it was weird. I'm just going to be honest. It was weird. To speak out loud, okay, to speak out loud truth and claim it when you've not done it, because I know there are people that struggle for the first time even praying to God out loud, but to speak to the devil out loud, it can be overwhelming. And if you'll practice it, even if it starts in a whisper, you'll be amazed what it will do for you. Practice it in baby steps and take the authority that is already yours. It's already yours. But when you begin to take those steps, oh man, you will find a shortcut to almost all of the things that hit your life. All the, the defeats of the devil. Man, it has cut down and shortened the disputes between Greg and I. When we, when, I remember years ago, when we recognized, and the first time that, and I jokingly said it, but it was just hilarious to me because I thought, you did not just say, get thee behind me, Satan, to my face. Like, seriously, did you just call me Satan? But he was like recognizing, and it was a wake-up call for me, and God allowed it. He was recognizing that my, all over him, was the enemy. I just was... You know, if I'm really being honest, I was looking for a fight, and I'm good at starting it, and he was like, we're finishing it. Because <laughs> he saw, he was able to discern that the weapon and the fight was not with me, Alexis. It was with the enemy all over me. And he was thinking to himself, I want to deal with this where I'm dealing with it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He knew that by saying that to me, he would take a risk at offending me, but he also needed to get rid of the enemy off of me and away from him. And that was what he needed to deal with. Man, we need to just understand. When we know our enemy, we'll know. You know, God has been developing in me discerning of spirits. And I want to be able to discern with his, with his truth illuminating through me what I'm dealing with with the person so that I can minister to the person yeah. And not minister to the exterior, the facade. You know, when, when Paul, uh, or Peter, Peter, I think, that, that cast out the, the, um, the, the girl that was the possessed, demon-possessed girl. 
She just was relentless and relentless and relentless. And the things she was saying were actually good. But he began to discern, okay, this is not, this is not normal. If you see in scripture, he spoke to the spirit, not to the girl, because right. he discerned, my fight is not with this young girl. It's the force over her that I'm dealing with. And that kind of goes to Greg's point. How do you love somebody and recognize that what's on them is evil? It's because you understand it's, the fight is in the spirit realm. Yes. That's how you can love that person with everything in you and fight the enemy where he is. Yeah. You know, it, it, Christians just get dulled and all of a sudden they just start hating everybody. They just start hating these people who are evil, not realizing that our enemy is Satan and yeah. his foes. These are lost, indoctrinated people who are, you know, robots for this evil. And we need to love them, but still stand against that yes. evil with everything in us. Yeah. See, and when you discern that, it makes sense. Because to a lot of people, they, they don't know how to, you know, they're, they're, people are now meeting people of other faiths, and certainly Muslims, and just go, oh, okay, wow, I guess I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with you, but I don't think I want anything <laughs> to do with you. Because they just don't know how to do it. Discern. Discern yeah. that that person is as lost as any other faith that yeah. does not hold Jesus Christ as supreme Lord and, and Savior yeah. of us, just like Greg pointed out. But then minister to them with love yes. to the enemy as the enemy. Okay, and that will help you so much. Um, lastly here, I just um, I want to talk about the, uh, the protections and authority that we have. Look at Luke 10.18, which is another really great verse um, that speaks of... Um, And it's uh, defense here. It's um, in New Living. It says it, Jesus is speaking. He says, "Yes, he told them. I saw Satan falling from heaven as a flash of lightning." Verse 19. And I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Okay, nothing will injure you. Snakes and scorpions is referring to, to demonic spirits. There. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is Jesus saying that through his power in his name, we can crush the enemy, okay? Not ourselves. I shared, I shared with the ladies um, that 2 Corinthians 10, 12 is a very important verse. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Don't come in and at this with your own, um, excuse me, something in my eye, with your own flesh strength. If it's not if you're not bathed and, and, and saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, this isn't something to just say, oh, I got this, you know, I got my list and I'm just going to go at it or, or, or arrogantly say, bring it on, I, you know, I can handle it. You can't. It's got to be, it's got to be in the power of God. Um, a little side note too, especially if you're taking any notes in your bulletin, um, you know, when we are praying and rebuking the enemy, um, you know, pray, pray for a wall of fire to be around you for your protection. You know, the, the phrase that we talk about, hedge of protection around us, comes from Zechariah 2, verse 5, which talks about a wall of fire. Asking God to rain down his wall of fire yes. around us. Amen. Now, not, Psalm 91 does tell us about him giving, his angels are given charge over us. And there are warrior angels, which is another study, if you've ever done a study on angels, there are warrior angels that protect us. But ask for God's fire to come around you and to protect yeah. you. And, you know, this reminds me of, you know, you think about the war that we're in. And let's just say you're, you're in a, a fight, whether it's a, a schoolyard-type fight or you're in a boxing ring. 
and, and you're thinking, okay, my, my dukes are up. Okay, I'm going I'm to start fighting. Well, if you keep getting hit in a place that, you know, you just, you just, you just keep on getting hit, and you're thinking, man, I, I just keep missing it. I, I'm like, I'm swinging over here, but then they always seem to get me in, in my vulnerable places. Oftentimes, we don't recognize that these protections we need to put in place, we need to be wise about where we're constantly getting hit. Think about your own life right now. Where do you constantly get hit? Is it in discouragement? Is it in anger? Is it in your temper? Is it in depression? Is it in a worry and fear, maybe over a particular thing? Where does the enemy keep on hitting you? See, God sometimes allows the, the things that hit us to wake us up. You know, if, if, if I am in a boxing ring and I keep getting hit, keep getting hit, and, and my trainer's looking going, okay, do, do you notice that you, you keep getting, you know, kind of sucker punched here on the side? And, and you know, you, you're up here, and, and he keeps hitting you. He keeps hitting you here. And, and I've, got some, I've got some gear, I've got some protection, I've got some moves, I've got some ways that you can protect that vulnerability, but you're not trusting me, you're not listening to me, you're not, you're not wanting to be aware of the warfare I've given you. And Ephesians 6 lays that out. Greg did a whole series on that. We need to put on the armor that God gives us. He allows us to put protective measures in. And so, but sadly, as Christians, we not only don't do that, but then we start dabbling and playing around with the young lion. And, and thinking that this is okay, and oh, but it's so cute and cuddly, and I just really want to, and everybody's doing it, and it's really not that bad, and oh, but he's so cute, or she's so pretty, and, you know, but this feels so good, and, you know, I mean, well, we, you know, we're going to get married anyways. You know, all these little subliminal messages that come from the voice of the world we talked about in the ladies' class, and the enemy's just like, wow, you're opening portals, you're opening gateways. You know, we talked again downstairs about uh, how that, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice. I am the door. I am the gate, John 10 tells us. Anybody, any other gates that, that try to show up or try to get formed are only from thieves and robbers. Only people coming to destroy because there's only one door. And he is. He is the door. And, and that's the, where the safety is. So as we know our enemy, we need to be sober, be vigilant. But then we need to be like, Psalm 91, I'm going to just rest in the secret place. Sometimes when you think about all this stuff and all oh, the enemy and, oh, where am I going to get attacked, then the enemy can actually get us stressed about knowing him. <coughs> Stay in the secret place. Yeah. Because you know what? It's not my job. I, I want to be aware. I, mean, I want to be wise. But if I stay in the secret place and I'm seeking him, he's going to tell me. He's going to say that such and such is going on. You need to cast that out. Somebody's coming at you. You need to deal with that. You need to love them, hate what they're doing, rebuke the enemy. You know, this show, which he just asked me recently to give up, a show I've been watching for many years, you need to let that go. That, you know, that's a, that's a gateway that's opened up, that's feeding your mind with stuff. You need to maybe stop looking at that, stop listening to that. Eyes, ears, our mouth, our, they're, they're gateways, they're, they're portals that the enemy can enter. And if we're in the secret place, we might not know where to start to give things up. But God will reveal it when we seek him with all of our hearts, when we have the yes, Lord, yes, where you go, I will follow. He will show us, and it might shock you what he will reveal. It might shock you. He will finally let you know that, oh my goodness, I did not know that this, hanging on to this, is why I'm not getting victory over here. I've been, I've been approaching this the wrong way all this time. 
You know, I'm thinking that it's this, this, and this because this is logical. See, God gives us, when we seek him, he'll tell us. We, we need to know our enemy, but even, even in all of our attempts, we're just not going to. It's still going to be, you know, Christians, we love knowledge. You know, we take Bible studies all day long. We just get puffed and puffed and puffed and puffed like the magic dragon. <laughs> you know, we don't. But that's not, that's not what God is saying. He is saying, seek me. Know, yes. but rely on yes. me. His knowledge is not to replace his Holy Spirit's revelation. This is not so that we all of a sudden, oh, I got the word, God, you're good. See you see when I get there. No, it's to know him. It's to walk right. with him. That's he reveals right. truth. And, uh, and this is really the, the best way to, to ward off the enemy. So, boy, be encouraged today. Don't, don't leave here going, wow, I thought I was attacked before, and now I know I'm a complete mess. No, walk in authority. Walk in, in hope, in life, in like, I don't have to stay down. Now that I see the strength that I really do have, I don't have to be knocked out. I don't even have to fear the bully on the playground. Because guess what? I have a battle buddy, and he lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit. He is there. He is my shield, my buckler, my fortress, my protector, my deliverer. Man, when you know the word, you're like, God, you're so many things. How could the enemy even come into my camp? You're you're everything. You're you're all I need. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I, I think of the fact that, <clears throat> you know, we say here all the time that we're an army rising up. We're called to this battlefield, right? But remember, it's not about the numbers. It's about the quality of that warrior, the readiness of that warrior. Remember, Gideon went through, he had 10,000 to go and fight 30,000. And God said, no, that's too many. Because they're not equipped to do what I need them to do. So have them all go down to the stream, down to the river. And every one of them that puts their head down and laps up the water, just tell them to move on, move on with their business. Because they're not, they're not ready. They're not equipped. But each of those that takes water into their hand, lifts it up to their mouth while they're watching, choose them. Because they're ready. They're equipped to be my warrior. He ended up having 300 that went against 30,000. And you know the story. God won. (laughs) Right? That's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing at Ignition Church. You've been called to be a warrior here. You've been called to be battle-ready. So you have to understand and be equipped in the way God needs you to be equipped. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.